0: And welcome
1: to Being Community Radio. Today we have special, fun, surprising guests for you. And we're just going to go into it because (laughs) most of you who listen know who we are and what we are about. And those of you who don't, you can Google us. I, I, I
0: think this is a landmark show for Being Community Radio. Tell me why. Because this is the first time that we have a guest on that you didn't know him before the show. That's
1: true. I'm glad you're jumping in. (laughs) And my favorite part is uh, the title. Irreverent sage. Yeah, I figured you'd like that. Yeah, I do like it. I'm kind of
0: envious. I wonder if he owns a .dot com. <laughs> 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 if he doesn't, I'm sure it'll be gone shortly during the next break. But you can get the .dot nyc if he has the .dot com.
1: So how do we? Why do? We, how do we have the honor to have the irreverent sage here? Uh, so
0: um, uh, the irreverent sage is his name's <laughs> G P Walsh. Uh, we, we actually are, are connected me and him through a, a, a group we're both a member of. Uh, called the Evolutionary Evolutionary Business Council. But we actually didn't even know it. He contacted me first when he got back to New York City. And then I'm like, your name is really familiar. I'm like, I know I've heard about you from somewhere. And then we both looked and we said, oh, you're part of this group? Yeah, I'm a part of this group. I'm a part of that group too. So you allowed life. The, da- the Tao of Allowing. Right? Absolutely. That absolutely. Allows life to connect us. And, and the reason I thought he would be good for the show is because he's not only a coach, an author, speaker, storyteller, he's also been a spiritual teacher and an energy healer for almost 40 years. So I, I thought we could put up with him for an hour.
1: I have a question. <laughs> I have a question for you, GP. I, I was walking down here with a friend and I've been f- uh, working as a spiritual teacher now for seven years full time, meaning mm. I quit any other job or project. I went from technology to real estate to back to soul technology as a spiritual teacher. And she, uh, it's, been, it's, been, it's been really hectic, really, really, truly hectic. And I, she said to me, well, at least now you know what you're teaching. And I said, I'm not sure if that's the case. I feel like I'm learning who i'm teaching <laughs> and i don't particularly <laughs> like that that's what i feel more and more so maybe after 40 years that's the real question that i have do you is it a kind of an adjustment because i feel like personally in my life i am more learning who i'm teaching but a part of me is like no 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 i want to focus on what i'm teaching but it seems to be that uh that it's not always received.
2: Yeah, don't bother. focusing on what you're uh, teaching because it's okay. always going to change. Right? Okay, right? I mean, it. Wh- what you're teaching uh, shifts wh- depending on who you happen to be talking to. I mean, everybody's got a different model. Everybody's got a different language. Everybody's got different metaphors. So you can't, you, you know, you can't, um, you can't put new wine in old wine skins, right? Uh, one of the things I love about the Heart Sutra, if anybody's actually read uh, the, uh, you know, the the most famous, uh, very tiny little. Uh, uh, Buddhist text um, is that in that in that sutra, in 36 verses, he completely dismantles all of his own teachings and says all of it's provisional, all of it's temporary. You can throw absolutely all of it out because none of it is forever. So what you're really we're really doing is we're if we are evolving the message to fit the audience. Mm. So it is who I'm teaching. Absolutely, it's about who you're teaching. And it's spontaneous, too, because you're never really going to know who they are. You're never going to know who's going to show up. So it's a spontaneous reaction in the moment. And, you know, you get enough experience, you have enough uh, diversity. If you learn enough different modalities and different points of view, it becomes very easy to just kind of mold the teaching in the moment into a model that somebody can understand. Because the bottom line is you want people to feel a sense of freedom. They want to feel a sense of their own worth, their own value, and to inspire them to be able to uh, take the journey to 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 want to ask the question who am I, with enough with enough um, fortitude and enough sincerity that it becomes a priority and to know that becomes a priority in their life, and when that happens it, it's game over you don't have to you, the spiritual teacher becomes irrelevant, you know my job is to put myself out of a job, hmm. right I mean I'm you're not I'm not here to be perpetual I don't want to make a guru I want to make gurus, right I don't want to be one right so. Um, so you're absolutely, you're absolutely correct. You're constantly responding. We're constantly learning. We're constantly uh, adjusting. I mean, when I got into this stuff, it was like when Sam did. This was like yeah. a thousand years ago, right? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I had, uh, in 1971, I had uh, my big, big awakening, and that was five years before a Course in Miracles had been published. Right? That was long before the uh-huh. consciousness movement got started. That was before uh, Wayne Dyer and Deepak Chopra and all these guys began to emerge, you know, 25 years before the secret came, no, 30 years before the secret came out, right? Right. Um, so it was quite a dearth, and I've just watched it change. And I was very strict metaphysics at one time, you know, sitting on the cushion and the whole thing, because that's all there was. But then little by little, I began to find out about energy healing as it right. began to emerge in personal development. And realized that there were a, a million different ways to uh, approach this, and, and some ways, and in some cases, <laughs> it, it, this is something I probably in the last fifteen years that's really sunk in, and, and that is people have to be healthy enough for this journey. Mm. You know, you know, if somebody comes to me and they're really suffering, um, I, I can't go into a, a metaphysical discussion of who they are. I have to relieve their suffering first, then they're capable of actually act, asking deeper questions because they just can't focus their attention Any That's all there is. You know, to try to get their attention away from it when that's all they've known is just forget it, don't,
1: don't do it. And when you speak of suffering, you speak of what, like physical suffering, emotional suffering, all of it, it? All of it. and Anything that's keep,
2: kept them so stuck and so distracted that they can't even ask these kinds of questions, right? So to, to you know, to bring some angelic relief um, is is inspiration enough for many people to say, Wow, there's something to all this energy healing or shamanic or whatever whatever right. it is right. you happen right. to do with them and then suddenly some of them that's enough. Some of them oh I'm good now and they go back to their life. Some of them go, Wow, what just happened to me? This this is really amazing and, and a curiosity gets born. And that's the curiosity that will sustain the spiritual journey up to its completion.
1: So I'm interested in, the, in, in the, the before and after journey or the two different phases that you are describing. Where do you find the most joy and fulfillment as a teacher right now in the, the alleviation of the initial suffering or taking people further?
2: Well, ultimately, you know, I want it, it's it's you know it's totally a joy when somebody when you come across somebody who's really ready to ask the deeper questions and go into that pursuit, but it's equally a joy just to see somebody's face relax, their complexion change. their I used to I did um, when I was living in Florida. I worked with the uh, Veterans Administration to do uh, using uh, the Emotional Freedom Technique with uh, combat veterans with PTSD. And some of these guys, you know, they hadn't slept through a night in 35 years, right? Mm. And, you know, these guys are not ready for the, you know, the, right. the, the big, que- big questions. So um, it was just an incredible joy to get somebody who couldn't go shopping during the day because he was afraid of what he might right. do, you know, to call me and say, I just went to a movie in the afternoon, right? Crowds of people around. I mean, the symptoms were gone after 30, 40 years, right? Some of these guys from the Vietnam War. So there's... <laughs> What can I say? You know, I mean, it, it makes me weepy when I think about it. You know, somebody, uh, the, the, the effect that the modalities we have at our disposal these days um, that simply didn't exist when I first had uh, my spiritual ex-
1: experiences. Is there a common thing to all the modalities? I know it's a weird question for me to ask, you know. 34 years before my experience that you have <laughs> <laughs> but you know is it is it the tapping itself or the mantras or the intentions i'm just wondering like over the years you see some kind of like what has changed since 1971 <laughs> um
2: what's changed is a universal is a much more universal acceptance of the fact that my internal ex- my internal state is creating my external experience and it, in some instances like the secret in some instances I really like the secret I know most of the people who are on it um, in some ways, it kind of trivialized it, reduced it to getting the stuff that you want, and uh, right. you know, just picture. Maybe it they knew who head. they
1: were teaching. Yeah. <laughs> but, but,
2: but when you consider the fact that it just exploded and right. just kind of landed in the popular consciousness, I can't argue with it, mm-hmm. right? You know, now it's now you can talk about this stuff with people that I couldn't talk about to anybody about this. When I was doing this in the seventies, people were throwing rocks at me when yeah, you suggested yeah. that yeah. that your own state of mind was actually creating the experiences they didn't nobody wanted to hear that i mean this is before neuroplasticity right, right. and and any kind of you know the site there was no self-help section and you go in the bookstore there was a psychology which was half a shelf and then one of the, the only self-help book was think and go rich that was it that was the right. totality of what was available uh, except for some metaphysical books and right. theosophy and a few things like uh, a few things like that. So the biggest shift has been an openness and a willingness to consider this to the point where I can pretty much speak to anybody about it and they go, "Oh yeah." yeah w- what very, have you
0: seen yeah. shift in yourself over those 40 years? I mean, that, so that's like what's shifted in the general consciousness. What kind of shift happened within you?
2: The shift that happened with me is, first off, becoming extremely tolerant and kind and <laughs> humbled, right? You know, just when you think you have it down, that's when the hot soup gets spilled on your lap, right? And life reminds you that, n- no, we're all bozos on this bus. Um, and, and, and then learning more and more about the way the energy of the human system actually works and trusting more and more the natural flow of it. I was doing less and less. I mean, I used to be really smart, you know? I used to think I had this down, I could mm-hmm. read people, I could help them, and I had uh, had effectiveness at it, and I could bring them to some places. But the more I realized how natural the human energy is and how it seeks healing, and all you really have to do is provide in an environment where it feels safe, I do less and less and less and less, except providing an, an atmosphere in which people feel loved and accepted, Because ultimately, the only thing that's ever healed anything is unconditional love. That's it. Everything else brings you to a place of unconditional love and acceptance. Once you're there, the system just relaxes because all the defense mechanisms just go off guard because they don't have to hold on anymore. Mm -hmm. And the natural energy of well-being begins to flow. And it really is that simple. We're we're rather complex creatures, um, and so sometimes it takes a while to get there. But once you're there, boom, it's... It's game over. It just happens.
1: So you got more patient. Over <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> more patient, more loving, more curious about how the human nervous system actually works. You know, How d- is it that somebody gets blocked? I mean, how is it that somebody can get stuck in a pattern that can last for decades? I mean, that became, I became really curious about that with the intent of going, well, if it can get stuck, you can get unstuck. Right. There's got to be a way to, peop- to open people up to be able to experience who they really are, which is in 1971, that's what I experienced. And I called it original innocence, just pure being, you know, just completely. And everything that had happened to that. And by that point, I was a drug addict. I was a wreck. I had no money. And not, I mean, it was a mess. right? And all of a sudden, in an instant, it was transformed simply by the perception of m- the original innocence of my own being and the nature of the functioning of the nervous system which was stuck in a pattern.
1: And we're gonna come back to that after we go on break. Really wanna hear about just the different, we go from stuck to unstuck and we can be stuck for years and years and years and years and years. And then there are those promises like EFT and other modalities where you experience the unstuckness and perhaps we do and yet from my limited six year experience I see how it comes back it really does come back with the space and the space of safety there you know there is some little boy or little girls and the parts of us that just didn't receive the proper safety and nourishment and love and like you said unconditional love continuously like has this twist and they come back around and they go you're not good enough you're not good enough you're not good enough you're not good enough and that's basically what I'm coming to my own realization and go, it's not what I'm teaching, it's the condition of the people who who I'm teaching. Right on the money. Maybe we can jump into the where irreverence sage comes from, so perhaps it answers some of the questions I have in my head already. Uh, well, it was just some... Uh, <laughs> um,
2: I just like to challenge assumptions. Okay. Right? And, and, I, and spirituality to me is a search for truth, which means nothing is sacred. Right? The moment I believe something to be true, I will experience it as true, and therefore it will appear to me to be true, and all the evidence will confirm it, and I could just be dead wrong. Right. So to, to have kind of a tongue-in-cheek, irreverent view of yourself primarily and anything that you believe to be true, I think, is essential to the true spiritual path. Because the only thing you know for sure is your own existence. Everything beyond that is stuff you learned. <laughs> mm.
1: So, I mean, so it, 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 and, and I remember a few times I, I went on these, like, spiritual ceremonies and quests where I'm literally on my knees, and I've done it a handful of times, begging whoever, <laughs> Mother goddess, <laughs> father's powerful God, please, please just just tell me, just tell me. And it always comes back with the same answer. Do not take yourself so seriously. For real. It's the thing. Lighten up, chump. Uh. <laughs> and, and I started to also write my new, like, okay, what's my story? I used to, like, read these affirmations that used to help me. So I decided to do it again yesterday. And the only thing I wrote is, I am funny.
0: That's, that's my affirmation. I'm gonna, I'm gonna wait, keep, wait a minute! When you read it over the weekend, it was like twenty minutes long. I'm going to keep going for it. I'm funny. I'm funny. I'm, I'm funny. funny. So, <laughs> e- e
1: reverend sage. Because we do know. I mean, I do. Uh, speaking of domain names, I have, I'm a junkie. I own spiritualassholes.com <laughs> because I'm hoping that my podcast one day will be called spiritual assholes. assholes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I guess so we are on the right path. <laughs> we are yeah. on the right path. <laughs> and, but do get offended then osho osho which oh my speak, god right? you know, <laughs> talk of speech, irreverent it's yeah. it's about of assholes. <laughs> right. that was his whole thing like we used to say we got you gotta shock people because people do not want to be helped right people don't want the answers i say that a lot to people in in my workshops i say two things i say hey people do not want to tell the, to hear the truth and Unless they're paying for it or giving something of value, unless they're really inviting you. And then they're still hoping to hear what they want to hear. Right. So it's, it's our job to become, like you just said, irreverent. Yeah? Absolutely.
2: So sneaking in the back door. Yeah. Because they don't. They, 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 they want to hear a truth that confirms what they already believe to be true. They want to be patted on the back and say, you're right. And so when you say you're not... It's very difficult to hear. Now, if you if you, if you're willing to accept on the beginning of the spiritual journey that you're not and you're never going to be, well, that's <laughs> you, g- you. oh okay then right. So now you're open. So what right?
1: humbled you? Like, do you remember the experiences?
2: Oh or? my God! One thing after another. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, so you just think uh, you know, that doing stupid things in relationships, losing money in business. Um, uh, saying things to people that you regretted, so thinking two you were right, and then realizing oh, you weren't. Uh, thinking, thinking you had had the answer. Okay, right. Thinking that you're s- that you somehow were specially gifted, that you were really uh, bright, and all of Take that. Take them off the air. <laughs> 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 right? no. and, uh, and 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 life just has a way of of, of humbling you, sending you uh, into situations where you're just completely bewildered and and brought to your knees. And then you realize that you're really participating in it, and the whole idea is not to stay anywhere, It's not to be anybody in particular, to really be willing to flow with life and let life tell you in the moment what needs to happen. And when you do that, when you show up at life without an agenda, without thinking you are somebody already, you show up completely empty, completely naked. Right. If you think you are someone, if you think you're somebody, however, however that self-image may be, every time you show up in a situation, you're going to see it through that eyes, you're going to interpret it through those eyes, and you're going to try to manipulate it to conform to it. But if you show up as nobody, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, then you respond completely naturally and fully to the circumstances exactly as it is. And now you're free. Now you're really in, in motion. Now you're completely uh, fluid. And, and beautifully, whatever that moment requires, it gets. Because there's nothing in the way in between you and your natural creative instincts and your natu- natural creative power and the natural energy of divine love that flows through us.
1: So let's discuss the duality of showing up as nobody and having a vision for yourself.
2: Right. They're for not you. incompatible and they're not, and they're not dualistic. Uh, the, the idea of being dualistic is, is the thought that somehow I'm one or the other. I, I always liken it, it liken it to thinking that you could separate music and a song right try to have some, try to explain what music is without humming a tune you simply can't do it right but what would what would a song be if there were no music right i mean it, it's kind of like the essence of the expression of it you you cannot have one without the other our minds want to divide that into a, du- a
1: duality and call mm-hmm. and and make them something separate when in fact they're not separate you know the only way for me to have been explaining it to myself and to people is I somehow was able to do that in person because there was a real car battery in the last uh, gathering that we had. There was a car oh, yeah. battery. And I know that the only way to get any power out of any battery is to do what? Touch both, both sides. sides. Yes.
2: You connect the circuit. Yeah, With
1: both sides, the negative and the positive. So to know that it's both, like in order for me to be me, as I do have to hold I'm nobody and there's a vision. So you... GP, would you mind? Would you mind? Would you share a little bit of your vision for yourself while you're holding the space of being nobody, so people can follow up with you and get to know you? Yeah,
2: there's a beautiful uh, there's there's a beautiful image, a beautiful metaphor in the Hindu tradition called Indra's Net, and Indra's Net is the fabric of the universe, and it's this huge net. But and at every intersection of the net is a diamond, and in the diamond you can see the entire rest of the net. So the entire the, the whole is always reflected in the in the individual. So in every individual, you're going to see the entire universe manifested in one particular form. Also, back in the I think it was in the '70s when they were developing uh, holographic technolo- holographic right. photography, um, and it was it was used to be printed on these big thick pieces of glass, right? Right. It wasn't the digital stuff you have now. And I saw a demonstration. It was this huge thing. It was probably about 18 inches long and about a foot tall. It was maybe three inches thick, right? But it was, it was like heavy as could be. Right. And uh, the image in it was a, was a, was a huge ship, right? And as you turn it, it was 3D. You could actually look down the top and the sides. I mean, it was just really remarkable. Then the guy took the glass and he broke it. He threw it on the ground and he picked up a piece of the glass And like a a photograph, you would expect that you would see a piece of the ship, but but you didn't. You saw the entire ship from one particular point of view. Humans are like that. You see the entire universe, but from one particular point of view. And so you are both the universal and the particular at the same time. Now, don't let your mind try to... Your mind is dualistic by nature. It only knows how to do things. Uh, in terms of objects, it describes one thing in terms of something else. That's the only way it can function, which is why non-duality seems such a challenge to most people because you can't conceive it. But if you look, you see that it's everywhere. There's you're always dealing with the universal and
1: the particular at the at the same time. And so the book that changed my life, that you know my moment of understanding, or perhaps n- not through mind's understanding, but through my mind being. Blown understanding <laughs> was the holographic universe. universe yeah. Yes. So when I read it, and it was the metaphor of the hologram, somehow a part of me understood it, and I, we can't describe it into words. Right. And the examples that I read were the bu- you know the beautiful ones about uh, just like uh, the mentally challenged people uh, have less chances of getting cancer. <laughs> uh, I mean, I always had a thing, you know. I'm a a man who's worried about his hair. And I remember there was an example (laughs) of uh, people giving placebos and being told, you know, something may happen to your hair, and half the group lost their hair, even though it was just a sugar pill. Those are the little moments that completely changed my life. Yes. And that was about 10 years ago. Hmm. So now asking you after, you know, 40 years of doing it, saying, what changed? And you say that basically the biggest thing that changed. Is the readiness, yes. the openness? Uh, how about? Are there any like favorite tools and resources and things that you found useful to you, or is really it's all seasonal and we can't go there?
2: Well, we can. Uh, y- you know, the first thing I like to to uh, talk about, and I'm actually doing a course on it next week called Advanced Healing Arts. Okay. Um, and it is the context. I mean, if you if you're if you're really present in creating that space, the modality, no matter what modality you use, it doesn't matter. It's going to work. Okay. And if you're not creating the space, doesn't matter what you're going to use, it's not going to work, because it's you, you know, right. it's your energy that's creating the, the environment of, uh, of, of healing. But I use EFT, I use meditation, I use uh, uh, inner dialogue. Um, it's a process that I've created that I teach at Master Art Institute called uh, inner reconciliation. Are you teaching that in person or online or both? Uh, both. Okay. Um, yeah. And um, and it, it, which is simply a way of of coming to, uh, of really completely and totally accepting everything going on inside of you as being natural and normal. And so you drop the inner conflict and you begin to actually discover the nature of the energy that makes up the human system. Because the human system is not a single thing. Consciousness is. The part of us that is aware of everything is a single, uh, 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 unbroken, indivisible entity. But the human being is not. The human being is made up of all sorts of different energies that are naturally yin and yanging each other. I mean, every human being has two essential, uh, inner, inner, inner motivations, inner drives, inner sen- energies: freedom and safety. Right, and those are naturally in conflict with one another. Now, if I take it as a conflict, and I'm, I take, myself, I want to be free. I want to be free. Safety becomes the enemy. If, 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 I'm, if I'm all on the safety side, then freedom becomes the enemy. It's all the position that I take. But if I take a third position, which is simply I'm sitting in the middle of them, I can actually reconcile between the two and realize that at any given moment, um, I am going to be making choices that are either going to lead me towards safety or towards freedom. And, depending on the circumstance, will determine which one I should be leaning towards. Right? If I'm standing in front of a bus coming... I, it's not the time for me to debate my need for freedom. It's time to get my ass on the curb, right? Um, and But the same, see, if, if you're too much about freedom, your life is going to be very long but very boring, right? Or excuse me, about safety. Right. If your life is about freedom, it's going to be really rich and vivid but not last very long. So there's this need for us to be creatively balancing all of the energies within the system and there's actually more than safety and freedom there's also desire and pleasure and altruism and vision and all sorts of different things that make up the kaleidoscope of what makes a human being human um, and being able to reconcile those and become like a master of it you become this what I call the light at the center um, so that you become like a painter and you've got the full palette of all your colors available to you rather than just you know you're stuck <laughs> interminably in the blue period right I mean you, you, you which is what most people are we have lost access to much of who we really are, yeah, all the different flavors of who we could possibly be, and that's why we feel so constricted.
1: And when you say we lost it, uh, what, how do you teach or explain that? Is it is some kind of. Uh cosmic trauma
2: no it's not it's
1: much more simple. original sin it's little. much
2: it's much more sim- is, is simple than that uh,
1: actually let's well, go cool. we got 30 seconds so <laughs> <laughs> well
2: uh i'll just start because we only have 30 seconds we'll pick it up when we get when we, when we get back is that again it's part of the natural process it's the way the human being actually develops because we start out par- powerless right? And all of the inner traumas and inner restrictions we have in ourselves are all defensive postures of the nervous system. That's all it is. And in the beginning, when you're young, you're totally dependent, totally vulnerable, and totally powerless, and incapable of deciding anything for yourself. So the nervous system is operating completely on automatic pilot to just make sure you survive, which means it's going to be burying any behavior you produce that that gets a response back from the environment that says not acceptable or diminished boom, off, and, off into the basement it goes. And if, and, and, but it, the behaviors that reward it, those are the ones that get accented. So the very best part of you being expressed, if your tribe or your parents or whatever don't like it, it becomes dangerous. So the nervous system has to contain it, even though it might be the very best part of you. And that's where all the trauma comes from. That's where all the limits come from. That's where we, get, we basically get crippled. Um, and it is inevitable when you're a child. Which is why consciousness has to eventually come to the rescue where we begin to turn it around and basically win all of this energy back.
0: And then break these rules of mine Almost giving up Because I never saw an end inside. All my life been waiting for A chance to break
2: free i
0: still have my hair hey, so <laughs> still have your <the> hair
2: <laughs> so what's the secret to your health that's why I gr- that's why i grow it because i can <laughs> let's, let's talk about
1: it so you you've been a spiritual teacher for 40 years you look great you feel good what's some of your i don't want to say secrets i hate that word but you know what's going on with you how huh? what have you learned because you, you said about self-care, right? Like feeling good about yourself, who you are. Wh- what do you do? What? Ha- how do you maintain your vitality? You have you have more energy than most people in this room. <laughs> <laughs> Put together. <laughs> Put together. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know why it's funny. I'll tell. I'll,
2: t- I'll, I'll <laughs> tell you the number one ing- ingredient, and I'm sixty-four years old. Right. Right. The number one ingredient is to be, is to remain curious about life. As long as you are still interested in how things function. And, and really curious, like a little child is curious, playful curious, and, and uh, w- really wanting to know, the vitality is there because you're inspired. Something's moving you. I mean, without, uh, it's classic, you know, from the Old Testament where there is no vision, the people perish. Um, it, it's, if you don't have something that you're really in, into and interested in, like I am, this kind of this, this stuff— you're just going to kind of wilt away because you're just going to be kind of fed stuff that, you know, it's not your life anymore. You're a bit player in somebody else's movie. And, and then on, on top of that, I mean, I take care of myself. I work out. I exercise. I, uh, I eat good foods. I have my green smoothie every and day. It's got all sorts of stuff in it. Um, I don't eat crap. Um, haven't, Ever? For, haven't for a long time. Oh yeah, yeah. I come on. I can go out and have pizza. and beer. good. Okay. I yeah, yeah. uh, need to know, know that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I'm not a fundamentalist. <laughs> I want to know that. Yeah. I'm not a fundamentalist <laughs> yeah. vegan, right? Okay. I'm not going to beat anybody over a head with a cucumber, right? Okay. I mean, it's there's there's been no vegan jihad's, right? <laughs> 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 I lived in Venice yes. Beach, <laughs> yet, Cali- yet, I, yet <laughs> but you know, when I lived
1: we're. in Venice Beach, California, it was close. No, it is. If
2: you take things, if you take things on seriously because they're an enhancement to your life and you want to feel better and you want to like keep your mind clear and be in- interested in stuff that's one thing when it becomes a thing in and of itself uh, you know it's like people get into a lot of people get into spirituality another part of the irreverence you know i call them spiritually annoying it's like no it's not about the thing it's not about the particular practice i i remember being <laughs> remember uh, joining this group on facebook that was all about non-dual teachers Right. And I thought, well, this might be interesting. So I sat and watched for a while. I never saw (laughs) I never saw such a display of arrogance and just criticizing and throwing that stupid. No, that's it's like, what? It's Mm -hmm. like, okay, click. I mean, out of that out of that group. I mean, it's like lighten up like you said earlier lighten up folks do you want to feel better or not i mean it really is a simple choice huh. right you know uh, if you if you eat that thing and you feel like shit don't eat it again i mean it really is it's not that hard right it's it takes a little bit more we live in a we live in a time that's very uh, that's very fast paced where people don't really slow down so the first thing i would think is you know slow down Right, slow down, make more deliberate choices about what matters to you. Get back in touch with your body. what feels good and what doesn't. Your body knows what it's doing there I've done some uh, uh, some interesting programs uh, just experimenting with ways that i ate, and I I, I've, I did one where I, was, I went with, you know, no sugar at all. I mean, in nothing. We're not talking, with no beets, not even natural sugars in fruits, just green stuff, which was really good. My body flipped into a mode that was pure fat burning. It was really wonderful. But what really was fi- fascinating is because I, I, bec- I could taste sugar everywhere. And I noticed how my body reacted to it because it's everywhere in our, in, in, in where, where in our uh, culture. everything Everything has got sugar in it. We've become desensitized to it. I mean, this is the way it feels. But if you if you're without it for a while, you begin to notice how your body actually responds to it, and it's not very pleasant. No, it's not very pleasant. Lemons and grapefruits are both sweet to me now. The, uh, which is uh, who, you know who knew right? But they are they're citrus fruits. They can they mm. can they contain sugar, not like an orange or something. But I can eat, just eat a grapefruit and it tastes sweet to me, right? Just because I've I've learned now the balance between what isn't sweet. And what is it? My body has gotten used to it. And I can tell exactly how much sugar my body wants to have when it doesn't want it anymore. So there's an inner sensitivity. Your body, your body is, you are a walking zoo. There's 100 trillion cells uh, that make up the body, the human body. And each one of those cells is a living being. We're not talking about a bunch of machine parts. We're talking about... One-celled animals that function within the environment and over millions and millions of years have simply specialized to do one thing and develop dependencies on other cells, right? Which allows organs to create, which allows organisms to get to this point where there's this thing that's functioning as if it's a whole. And in fact, it's not a whole. There's a Mm -hmm. gazillion piece parts to it. Each one of it has its own needs and wants and energy. And if you listen to it, it will tell you you exactly what it wants and And if you give it what it wants, it, it rewards you with health and vitality and and there's there's no need to for your mind to get cluttered to get fat to get ugly to get old there's no need to get old. the body can sustain itself all the way up into the time, and you
1: don't want it anymore It's interesting I found I came from Israel and I live in this country, and I am finding out that uh, generally speaking men after a certain age usually like 60 in this country look the same there's like a general look people people really look the same they get in the same look and they get take the same medicine you know there's basically like you said there's either people who are here or not here people are uh, have some sort of a self-awareness and decide to take care of themselves or just waiting to i don't know for a little bit of relief and that goes back to our conversation, coming back to that original innocence, coming back to the place of curiosity and what you started to talk about how it's by design, we are, we are designed the cutoff, the trauma is part of the design. Am yes. I correct? Yes, it is. It's, it's built in. So we learn to stand up for ourselves in our individual it's ways. It's built
2: in because if, if, if the system couldn't process traumas, we'd be dead because the kind of things that happened to us the 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 level I, I had a very abusive childhood my mother was a my mother was a borderline psychotic schizophrenic and i never knew who was going to show up on any given moment in any given moment i mean she was she was she was batshit crazy okay and and so there was never any stability there was never any sense of being uh, at ease there was never a sense of being loved there was never a sense it was total vigilance I had to watch every single second, so there was never any re- moment of relaxation. Now if, if my system didn't know how to process that in some way, I could not possibly have survived it. Right? The, the degradation and the, the abuse, it was just too severe. I couldn't have survived it. But the mechanism is so smart, it can take even the worst circumstances and, and isolate that energy, put it somewhere in the body so that you can continue to function with the hope that eventually consciousness is going to wake up and you're going to be able to reprocess and bring that energy back out again. And that is, of course, the big promise that, that's happened in the, in the explosion of modalities. We now understand things like this. And the reason I created inner reconciliation is because I wanted to find the gentlest, most inobtrusive, unobtrusive way of doing it. And if you recognize that it's a natural par- process of the system, and the system did that because it was threatened and the threat was real, And it had to do something in order to counter the threat. Otherwise, you'd you'd be dead. Uh, When you realize that it's a natural uh, part of the process, you also recognize that at the moment the nervous system realizes that the danger isn't there anymore, it releases the behavior. So we try to force it. Release the behavior. We try to force it. We treat. We do all sorts of all sorts of things to get it to release the behavior. But when you start doing that, which is the, I, I often refer to it as the self-help treadmill, uh, when you start doing that, when you start going, when you start doing inner work with the attention of fixing yourself, you're doing ex- to yourself exactly what happened to you in the first place, and you actually reinforce the defensive posture. But if you acknowledge the defensive posture as an absolute necessity honor it for what it's been doing for decades in, in trying to keep you safe because it doesn't know the war is over, right? It gets locked in a particular assumption about the nature of reality. You know, when you're a little kid, that is reality. You don't know there's a world outside. That This is all there is. So your nervous system develops in the environment. Well, this is it. So, so even though we grow and we do get exposed to more environments, there's some basic underlying, I call them energetic assumptions Right? about the nature of reality that is actually processing the experiences we even have later on in life. And you, it really gets down to a, a, a few, and actually one original belief, one original uh, assumption, and it's usually something like, I'm not enough, I'm, I'm not enough, fill in the blank. I'm not good enough, I'm not, or whatever. It takes different, different forms. There's always some kind of feeling of inadequacy there because you were inadequate. <laughs> you were powerless, you were vulnerable, and because the environment your own inner gifts and powers weren't available to you. They couldn't be. They were dangerous to be available to you. So the if the expression of who you really are met with pain, right? Even diminishment, even if it was minor, right? That energy now is dangerous to express, and any request to express it is going to get the same resistance from the nervous system. It's said, no, I can't express that. So until you create the environment internally that says it's okay.
1: It's okay to express it. It's right?
2: okay for this to come out.
1: To and, c- and, 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 and then
2: and yeah. that you invite it to do it. You don't try to force it because if you force it, it's just going to retract again. But if you say, okay, look, you've been doing a great job. You've been really taking care of this for me. I'm what if we don't need this behavior anymore? What if we don't need this posture anymore? Can we just kind of check it and find out? Just just open up a little bit. I mean, you've shut me down effectively for 25 years. Um, I know you can, so there's no real risk. You can shut me down in a moment's notice. I'm not going to fight you on it. But if just open up and see if maybe the environment's changed a little bit and maybe we don't need this behavior anymore. And inevitably, if I can do that in the right setting with somebody, the energy will begin to speak and it will begin to move because it's not stupid. You know, your body... The energy didn't get itself in this posture because it wanted to. It did because it had to. And therefore, it decided this was a necessity. And it will not let go of that posture until it knows it's going to keep you safe. So what we're really talking to is our best friend. It's not an enemy. It's not self-sabotage. It's not unconscious patterns. It's not anything working against you. It's actually your own nervous system who wants you to be safe and live forever.
1: That's ve- that, that uh, you know. I feel a sense of relief just hearing it, and I know that people know that stuff intellectually. And I f- and this is something we can talk about maybe on the next segment. Is there a need for people and for us? Do we actually go through that? We can feel like pain, or like in order to release it, do we have to actually f- express that fear and feel it fully, even if it's just for seconds or for a minute, or can it? Just l- can we release it before its expression? Uh, the short
2: answer is no, and we'll give the long answer after we have the break because I can, I can see us getting the signal.
0: Picking up the pieces from this game called life every piece has a box that fits just right. All my life been waiting
1: for... So I feel pretty blessed because in some aspects, I grew up with, in a household, there were, my, my main caretakers were heroin junkies. There was a lot of, I uh, there, there was a... Touched and sexually abused by older students and teachers in the school in the religious schools there's a there's a lot of trauma that has been locked in my body, and you know it it's healing and at the same time sometimes I wonder like hey, one day am I going to explode or something because I feel pretty s- solid mentally and emotionally, and then in some aspects physically i'm learning to stand up and to be straight and I don't know if, and when I work with people, I see a lot of the pains working out, like I said, backwards, like through the pain, but I'm also afraid, especially with clients who are saying, I want to remember, I want to remember, I want to feel it again, I want to know exactly what happened to me. I get a little scared. I'm like, I'm not really sure what you're looking for because you're safe now.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's just kind of our orientation, and uh, that's why I've kind of abandoned the whole therapeutic approach. One of the things I said I got used to be really smart, and I just really trust the energy now. I, I know that if I create the environment for the energy and I'm really present with it, um, that it's going to dictate what happens. And I've seen some really phenomenal stuff. I've stuff seen stuff just completely go away, just disappears, boom, it's gone. Other times, a story comes up, sometimes an image, sometimes a picture from this life, from another life. Sometimes I don't even know the origin of it. So it really is up to the meca- the nervous system itself, the energy system itself, to determine what it needs to do in order to release this. I'm a facilitator for it, nothing more.
0: So that requires a lot of trust. A
2: lot of trust. But once you see how in t- damn intelligent the system is, the trust comes very naturally. Mm-hmm. It never makes a mistake. Mm-hmm. You know, because I could... I could, st- I could Explore for years to find out what the origin of a trauma was, right? And and not and barely and not even scratch the surface. But if you ask the trauma itself, where'd you come from? It'll just tell you because it knows, right? The the information is immediately available to us because it knows exactly how it got stuck in the position that it is. And if you are really addressing it, this stuck energy, without the intent to fix it, but really with the intent to reach out to it. To, to say what is it you need and what you want, it responds in a minute, just like anybody would, right? I mean, if I come to, up to you and I say, man, you really look bad, I got to, f- <laughs> that's a really bad attitude. We really need to fix that. You're just going to dig in your heels, right? Right. Right. But if instead I, I completely accept you the way you are, it's, it's, it's quite all right. You're just going to break down, right? Your heart's just going to open because you've been accepted. It's no different with our uh, our our internal world, which is why uh, I I said the short answer was no. You do not have to go through that any anymore. I mean, sometimes it happens when an energy release releases. Sometimes your your body can shudder. You you know, things can happen. I've seen people just break out laughing. I've seen people break out crying. I've seen people just break a sweat. You know, as the energy. But to actually have to relive the trauma is not necessary any longer. The, the body needs to simply be able to release it and when it knows when it, it and it kno- and when it knows that it's safe to release it and it no longer needs the behavior that created it in the first place because there's no danger anymore it will find the path of least resistance it will find the easiest way to release it you know when the when the water comes out of a mountain it doesn't need a gps to find the ocean it knows exactly where to go right as long as you don't get in its way right as long as you keep removing the obstacles for it it'll flow exactly where it needs to flow and that's that's really kind of the the most significant thing i've discovered over the over the years is how little you actually have to do and how smart this energy actually is and how infinitely intelligent i mean your body is in our minds we see it as this isolated thing there's us then there's the universe and there's all this stuff around but there's it's all the it is the universe this is the universe right (laughs) this your this is your connection to the universe because it is the universe right it's like it's like thinking that your thumb is somehow separate from your hand right it's absurd your body is one with the universe if you want to be feel connected to the universe just connect with your body because it's it already is right i mean the 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 most distant galaxy is, is, is as close to you as your finger as far as your body is concerned it doesn't know space that's completely in the uh, that's completely in the
1: mind so the the journey from original trauma to original innocence you have learned it's acceptance it's allowing here's here's the, here's the key Here, here's the key the, the
2: the original innocence is still there The whole reason the body did what it did was to protect the original innocence. It never got touched, which is why healing is possible, right? And it's also why we feel conflicted. If we really just were pure programmable beings, right? We were just purely... The behaviorists were right, and we were just responding to our environment. There'd be no such thing as an inner conflict, There'd be nothing to resist how you were programmed. you just accept it. But something inside says, no, this isn't right. There's an innate sense of freedom that we all have that says, I'm feeling constricted. Something's wrong here because it is, right? Because the system isn't allowing the original innocence to fully express itself. But the whole point is the original innocence has remained untouched. It's kind of like the Secret Service. The body took the hit. Mm. It jumped between the bullet and the president so that you would never, ever be harmed. So everything you are, everything you started out to be, the original, pure, everything, all your gifts, all your powers, all everything that you came with are still there. You just don't have access to them because it hasn't been safe to express them. Once it's safe to express them, guess what happens? It happens. The body instantaneously goes from a defensive to an expressive posture.
1: And are we saying that or you saying and teaching that even that place of recreating the sense of safety or whatnot, it's part of our evolution. It's part of the design. It's not like there's something wrong with us and now we're learning how to be safe again. Uh, this is one big scheme to get us to do what?
2: It's all, it's all, well.
1: <laughs> uh, why all the suffering then? People always ask, you know, so okay, 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 fine. But why? what's the point well the suffering the suffering comes from an ignorance
2: of how, how the system actually works uh, so we are getting smarter ultimately we, uh, or smarter uh, in the consciousness w- sense. we are getting more we are getting more aware of actually how everything does work right and and we all are raised in an environment that is hindered in some way right when you're little you have to be protected right I mean, uh, I'm 64 now and I don't run with scissors, okay? I mean, <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean it wasn't, that wasn't an inhibition on my ability. I don't go chasing balls into the street. I don't stick forks in the light socket. It's, it's good behavior, right? Yeah. We do need to be protected as children. We will do stuff that's so stupid it could be fatal, right? The, the problem is, is, that, is that, it, that we run into the values of the tribe that inhibits the part of us that needs to be expressed. The part of us that's very genuine to us, which is interpreted by the tribe as being dangerous. And the tribe, which is your immediate family and the schools and the whole thing, I mean, it, that's what it's there for. It is there to protect. So there's, again, there's an inevitable conflict between safety and freedom. Without it, life is not possible. Yin-yang is required for life.
1: Right? Without it, we would not be human. So that's what you teach, like that sort of mastery, and navigation of the two or Aps- more forces? A- absolutely. Can you when talk you a little bit master. about that? Like what you teach, how people can get in touch with you, where, you know, who are you? It's you're very exciting. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, the easiest way and the easiest, most memorable way is gpwalsh.com, which is really easy to get to. And that'll branch you out to all of my sites, the Master Heart Institute. And you're passionate and about? Uh, about uh, f- about this i'm passionate about the potential of of, of an indivi- of individual freedom and what that
1: implies for humanity as a whole right the, just the, what can li- people expect by working with you is it a one night stand is it a six year journey you, what is it
2: well the spiritual journey is a lifetime journey but it's not a journey to a destination it's a journey from from a destination it's it's a journey from the self discovery that this moment right here is exactly it's exactly where it needs to be. It's it's exactly what you want. Th- th- this moment is not a stepping stone to some other point at which now you're going to arrive and now I'm enlightened and now I have freedom because that really that really uh, belittles this moment.
1: So right? if I'm a client, student, whatever it is of yours, take me a little bit about what I can expect. Well, the first thing I do is like... When, when
2: people come, they're either going to come because they, they've already been on the spiritual journey for a while, and they really, they really want to get into the depth of it. They, they don't want to be uh, uh, playing anymore, right? They, they want to get it. So, and now, at that point, transformation becomes long-term. It becomes, an, it becomes we're on the road to inner discovery. The other group of people that might come to me are somebody who have a specific pain, that they've got, you know, their relationships aren't working, their money's not working, their life's not working in some form, in which case we just take a look at what's blocking you. What's blocking you is always a defensive posture of the nervous system, always. I will say that unequivocally and I will say that without apologizing. If you are restricted in your life, it's because your nervous system is in a defensive posture in some aspect that is not allowing you freedom of expression. So what we have to get to is what is the defensive posture? And oftentimes, I'll just take somebody into meditation. I'll ask the energy system, what are you protecting me
1: from? So we do that, and you're available to work. You like to work one-on-one, groups? Uh, how? All, all of the above. All the above. I also
2: have trained facilitators in inner reconciliation so there's other people that I can... So people can actually get also career and jobs out abs- of working with yeah, you. Absolutely, yeah. You can get a certification program to become an inner reconciliation
1: facilitator. That's great. Uh-huh. And you're New York City-based? Now I am. Now, oh, you okay. are. As, of, uh, as of about two a- months ago, April. Yeah. That's big, big uh, news. A uh, lot of us, uh, m- a yeah. lot of us moving back here. Yeah, and it's a lot G of people P. Are. It's G P. Uh, yeah, G as in George, P as in Peter. walsh.com. Yeah. Again, groups, personal. We can, l- I can, I can learn modalities. I can become. I can actually get. You know, basically, someone told me a long time ago: if you want to help people, give them work. So, <laughs> thank you very much for doing that in the world.
2: Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, y- you want. There's an inevitability when somebody discovers ways of working with themselves and they get happier and more prosperous and all that stuff. It's just inevitable we want to share it. We want the whole world to feel this.
1: Good. Yeah. I look forward to uh, having you here again. I look soon. forward to
2: being here. Thank you, guys.